Coming to theaters January 26th. Left Behind. Rise of the Antichrist. Was it the rapture? Yes. I saw it happen. After millions of people vanish and the world falls into chaos, a charismatic leader rises to become head of the United Nations. How do we know who we can trust? Trust God. Starring Kevin Sorbo, Neil McDonough, and Corbin Burnson. Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist. This film is not rated but suitable for ages 13 and up in theaters for four days only beginning January 26th. Go to leftbehindmovie.com. Breaking news as it happens. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, Kevin McCullough, glad you're with us. You know, after Roe v. Wade hit the dustbin last year, uh, there was an immediate kind of uh, fueled frenzy to fight back by those that were that that had been on the kind of raw end of that uh, judicial uh, finding, and we started to see a series of instances in which there were. Uh, people that had been actively pro-life and practicing that pro-life perspective for some time that suddenly came under uh, great consternation uh, by the Department of Justice, one of which was a man by the name of Mark Houck. And uh, joining us from the Daily Signal, once again, is Mary Margaret Olihan. Uh, we have talked with her in the past. Mary Margaret, good to have you back. Thanks for being here. There's an update on Mark's story, uh, but for people that are a little bit behind the curve, first, Explain what happened to him, and then what did the court say? Great, yeah, and thanks for having me on here, Kevin. So with Mark Houck, this story is wild. The FBI showed up to his house in September and arrested him in front of his crying children with guns drawn um, for these DOJ charges. They're charging him, they were charging him with freedom of access to clinic entrances charges. Um, and that is a law that was created to protect people who are going to reproductive health facilities. And it was kind of trickily created so that it would protect people going to abortion clinics and people who are going to pro-life centers. And lawmakers were careful in how they worded it so that it couldn't be weaponized by the Department of Justice as it has been with Mark. And so when he was arrested for these charges, they accused him of pushing an abortion clinic escort while he was praying outside this abortion clinic. Now, what Mark's team argued was that Mark's son was there with him and this abortion clinic escort was harassing his son repeatedly. And so ultimately, Mark pushed him and he fell down. And this ended up being a hugely like high-profile case because the DOJ had said after Roe v. Wade was overturned that they were specifically going to target pro-life activists with right. the FACE Act as a response to Roe v. Wade. And so Mark's case quickly... Because let me just pause right there, because this is so important to to pinpoint what you just said. Because obviously the DOJ should be making statements about politicizing and weaponizing a response to something that came out of the Supreme Court. If we knew nothing else about the case, the fact that they would go on record to say that kind of stuff is garbage. And yet they did. And this was one of the first cases that they uh, that they tried to use it with. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Right. And and it was startling, too, because everyone was so confused why a Catholic pro-life father of seven would be arrested by FBI with guns drawn for something that local authorities had already dismissed. This had already been examined by local authorities and they dropped it because it wasn't worth pursuing. But the Biden Justice Department picked it up again and said, we're going to make an example of Mark Houck. And so they dragged him through legal fees. 
Um, his team told me earlier this year that the DOJ was trying to silence and intimidate pro-lifers by targeting Mark. And he was only one of over 20 different pro-life activists who the DOJ charged with the FACE Act in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. The cases, a lot of them are different. But Mark's case is really clear-cut. And yesterday, a jury found him not guilty of the DOJ charges against him. And, you know, there were some really beautiful videos of his family. You know, they're praying after he got out of court. They were they all had their rosaries out in court praying. Um, They're just so happy that their father's not going to jail, which is what the DOJ apparently wanted for this pro-life father who was praying outside an abortion clinic. Dobbs solved one problem, which was Roe v. Wade. But it went from being one federal problem nationwide to now 50 problems that are going to be argued state by state. And I think what they were doing here was uh, was an attempt to actually um, uh, blow it up a little bit more. I mean, th- th- make it a little more hostile, a little more anxiety ridden. What, what's your take on where we stand now? Well, you're right. It is really interesting. We have the, the Biden administration saying that there is a right to abortion. And then on the other side of the aisle, we have pro-lifers who believe that abortion is murder and that um, if you're murdering an unborn child, then maybe there's no nothing that is too far to save that child from being aborted. Uh, and those are two radically different perspectives on this issue. And what <laughs> exacerbates all of it is that the president of the United States is a Catholic and Catholic Church teaches that abortion is a crime against human life. And, you know, most pro-lifers are, are Catholic or Christian or religious. And so there's all of this is just wound up in a one ball of, of confusion and anxiety, and then the DOJ is compounding it by enforcing the FACE Act in this manner and failing to properly to investigate and prosecute over 100 attacks on Catholic churches and pro-life pregnancy centers across the country that have ha- been attacked since the Dobbs leak. They've been firebombed. They've been vandalized with pro-abortion graffiti. And it took until, I believe, last week, for the yeah. DOJ to prosecute any of them with FACE Act charges. And they finally did last week, two yeah. vandals in Florida. Yeah, one case, and, and we heard of all of those cases dating back to early last year uh, in which that took place. Um, you, you cover these issues uh, for the Daily Signal, and I'm just curious, um, what, what, is your, what, what is your sense about how this is going state to state? Where where are we seeing the biggest problems and where are some of the greatest uh, achievements happening? Well, as I'm sure um, we've seen a bunch of different uh, propositions that were pro-life measures in uh, different states that failed um, kind of drastically during the midterm elections. Um, Proposition 1 in California uh, that was a pro-life measure that failed. In Michigan, there was a pro-life measure that failed. And some of these um, I don't have it up in front of me, but some of these propositions were really, really basic common sense pro-life measures yeah. that drastically failed. So I know that there's there's talk within the pro-life movement about how to reach different states in different ways. But also most Americans support restrictions on abortion. It kind of all comes down to what specifically you're talking about and what restrictions they're looking at and how it is worded because, you know, like the, the Washington Post will go out and do some kind of polling uh, where they phrase it in such a manner that Americans think, oh, well, of course I support that. You know, if they if they ask someone, do you support Roe v. Wade? They'll say yes. 
But if you ask them, do you support aborting a baby that has a heartbeat? People stop and think about it because they don't know how they feel about that, but they're never asked that except by um, more honest pollsters and conservative media. So I'm traveling to Richmond tomorrow. We're going to be covering the Richmond March for Life. And uh, we're excited to see what's going on there because this is, or I'm sorry, it's the Virginia March for Life. Right. This is a state state effort post-Roe to kind of rally the the pro-lifers together to call on the state to pass pro-life legislation. And uh, so we'll be asking Virginians about what kind of legislation they want to see in Virginia um, and how hopeful they are and uh, what they think Governor Youngkin can do for them. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see what all these people have to say. Well, it's it's one of those things that we're going to have to remain vigilant about uh, going forward. And even when we have some successes in some early states, uh, you, you know the other side is not going to give up that easily. There is big business. There is big money to be made in the uh, abortion um, industry. And it's just it's, it's it, eliminating Roe solved only one problem, and that was stopping it being a federal issue anymore. Now it is a much uh, multifaceted fronted war that we are in the midst of. Mary Margaret Olihan, thank you for your good work at The Daily Signal. Thanks for being back with us. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much for having me. You got it. Kevin McCullough coming right back. Don't go away.